0: When you're 15 with 300 quid, I was like, oh shit, it's on. <laughs> I'm going back to school tomorrow and it's on. Forget the GCSEs, I've got paper.
1: On the show this week is a rock star who has been doing his thing for nearly two decades. It's none other than the lead man himself from You Me at Six.
2: Please welcome Josh Franceschi.
1: Hello, Josh Franceschi, and welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks a lot for having me.
1: Also, first podcast with a beer, so uh, cheers to that.
0: Cheers, we're going to have to reload.
1: Very, very into that.
0: We'll have to reload shortly, I think.
1: I've gone for uh, a strawberry and blood orange pilsner, which is... Lovely.
0: Got the old beer ready Beer ready Nice and cold. Yeah, keeping thank it simple. Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: keeping yeah. it real. Uh, how are you?
0: Very well, thanks. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, really good, thank you. Um, it's great to chat to you because the last time I saw you, it was to introduce you onto the main stage at Reading Festival. So you kind of just whizzed by in a in a rush and then oh
2: God, yeah. absolutely
1: killed it. So thank how, you. how was that for you?
0: Yeah, I think we were talking before about like how last minute it was for us because mm. we literally found out on the Thursday we were doing it. Went to rehearsal on Friday, played on the Saturday. So I think it was, that was our first gig back post, you know, what shall not be named. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was like, it was mad for us. And I think we all just got a bit carried away for the rest of the day because just out of pure euphoria, to be honest. Like, it's interesting. I think I'd forgotten what it felt like to have that rush. Mm. And it's so like addictive. And it's like, it's one of those things that completely takes over all your senses. So like, I just, I I just didn't. I mean, I remember bumping into one of my mates in like the Reading guest bar at like eleven. They're like, "You're right," and I was like, "No, nah, I'm gone. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm over." And I stayed up till six. So I mean, I don't know what I was up to until wow. six o'clock in the morning. But yeah, it was good, good fun. Um, great festival, and yeah, it was a, a great show to come back to. Um, and yeah, it's one of those things. Reading Main Stage is always special. You know, it's yeah. kind of like it's like the Mecca, isn't it? Really for like UK music is playing Reading Main Stage, so. Mm. And Lee's Main Stage, obviously. Yeah.
1: But. Well, that's the thing for me. I got to host the main stage, <clears throat> which has been a dream of mine since forever. Amazing. And just hearing that noise from the crowd, I, c- I can see why you get addicted to it as performers, because it's the best feeling. Obviously, it wasn't for me. It was for the bands I was bringing on. But still, I got to feel like a, a little sort of taste of that. And it's amazing.
0: No, of course. But I mean, like, it's one of those things that, like, that's what people... We're missing, right? Was that kind of like that like, human connection is one of the most powerful things we have, and like, you know, when we've been sort of devoid of that for so long, it's it's mad. But like, yeah, there's nothing better than seeing a sea of people like in unison, mm-hmm. either jumping up and down or singing, or just generally like, you know, happy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I kind of forgot. Sounds pretty bleak, but like I forgot that people had the ability to be happy. Yeah, you know, because I think we went university went through this weird weird time, but like. I forgot what it's like to see like loads of smiling faces of strangers I'd never met, but I was happy for them that they were yeah, happy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's kind of what it's about. That's, that's all music's about really. So
1: It definitely felt like extra special, didn't it? After so long. It was, it was, was a, yeah, It was probably like the biggest
0: first one back, if you like. Do you know what I mean? Like I know there's some other festivals <laughs> happened before, which is perfect but like that was kind of the one was like, oh, we're back. Yeah, and it was
1: like, just normal. Well, as normal as this weird new world can be. Uh, You recently dropped your new album, your seventh album, Sucker Punch. Well, I say recently, fairly recently. January. Um, Yeah, talk to me uh, about this album. I'm making it. Um, Is it a hazy memory now?
0: (laughs) I mean, we made it in 2019, in, in October, November, like in Thailand.
2: Oh, wow, okay.
0: Um, so we basically just kind of, we wanted to escape, like, just how, like, sad the UK gets in October, November. Mm. Um, and, we, I mean, we found some cool shivers, but then it was just like, look, we need, like, a complete reset. Some of us just want to get out of London, get out of, like, the UK, and, like, have an excuse to be in a different time zone to, like, basically chuck our phones away, which mm-hmm. we did. Um, yeah, we made Sucker Punch with, with our producer, Dan. Um... And I think actually that kind of, that record inadvertently acted as like a bit of a crutch, I think for us during the pandemic. it was like, mm. every time I was like, you know, I definitely suffered from imposter syndrome during that time. I was like, what am I, who am I, where am I going? I think a lot of people did, yeah, especially in like the creative industry. Um, and I wasn't really like buying into like the sort of like, let's get an acoustic guitar out and play like on Instagram stuff, do you know what I mean? Like I just was like, nah, I, that's not me mm-hmm. um will be that a nice thing to do but i was just like no nah, I'm, I'm i'm too nervous to that
3: stuff.
0: <laughs> um he's a hide behind loud guitars yeah um Get but it. yeah it was it was it was a record that basically like you know we spent so much time sitting on that when it actually came out it was kind of like i didn't actually feel like i was in the band that was putting the record out because I, I felt like i'd become a fan of the record that's nice outside of being in the band so much so that it surpassed like my role in the band so when like the record performed well and went to number one and like we had all this you know huge stuff going around it it was kind of like i felt like a like a six i so just sort of like celebrating it for the band which is like really interesting because i've never really had mm-hmm. that and usually when we're picking our record we're kind of like out and about doing promo doing yep. install performances stuff like that so you know, it really was like, it was very much in our own like little equilibrium, just like trying to be a band with it. It was, I think anybody that put our records during that time will know that it was a weird time to put our records. Yeah. Um. But I mean, Thailand itself was absolutely ridiculous. And like, I think I'd never been, I'd never been there before as a person. I don't know if you've been there on No, I've never been. Like
1: I'd love to go.
0: It's truly a remarkable place. Mm. And the people I've never met um people like people from from I mean we were in a small fishing village called Bankshire and I think we might have been you know one of the very few westerners that sort of like popping about
1: mm-hmm.
0: but just like it the the love they have for their culture and the desire to like share it is pretty intoxicating like even like in the studio we had like it's an old like hotel that was converted I keep saying like I apologize <laughs> I but did yeah but it was like a converted hotel <clears throat> um in which they then kind of just had bands and artists come and stay um but for me the best part of it was like they became like our family we were there for so long like for two months and you have like every day being cooked like authentic thai food that was you know recipes that have been passed down for generations and that sort of stuff so um just got a sense and they they always constantly was like go here go there do this do that and when we had time off we did and I really got a felt um a sense that, like I'd got submersed in like the actual culture of Thailand rather than it being like Bangkok or Phuket just mm-hmm. like tacky tourist yeah. stuff which trust me we did because like <laughs> you got to. S- sometimes you just need to go like hang over three on that stuff you know and, like <laughs> just hang oh, hangover two so yeah. just go you know
1: go all in throw
0: it in but um yeah it's a special place with I've never I, I, I mean I'm definitely going to spend more time traveling the Far East, for sure, because it's beautiful.
1: Number one album, as you say,
0: mm.
1: how did you celebrate that? Was that the night of all oh, nights? On Zoom. Oh, was it? Oh, it was still in that era, wasn't yeah. it?
0: crap. Um, oh, what? We allowed to swear mm. on this podcast. Of course
1: you can, you can do yeah, what you want. F-
0: well, fucking shit, honestly. But like, we just like, it was an really interesting time, because like, we met up during the week, because we had to, to like sign all the vinyls and CDs and stuff. Yeah. Um That kept on like, every time like something seems to happen, we'd be like, all oh, right, well, we can put some more science CDs through this store and all that sort of stuff. So we're doing a lot of that. And then, like, to be perfectly honest with you, like, in the in the run-up to the record coming out, there was no sense that the record would... I mean, we were internally saying that if we get, like, even in the top 20, we'll be happy. Because that's kind of... We try, we've we really tried to, like, bring down our expectations. because you why? Can't, Because you can't be disappointed. If you expect nothing, yeah, then but anything's a bonus.
1: You're one of the biggest bands in the UK.
0: Yeah, but, that, but that's but that's it, right? Be humble.
1: Yeah, as be k- humble and k- just be happy with k- what we I say, yeah. be humble.
0: Exactly. but it was also like sort of like we just kind of like we lost so much like sight of like where we were as people because of yeah. everything. I was like, oh, I was playing a pub band. Not that there's anything wrong with being a pub band, but I felt like we mm. were a pub band at that point. And then like you know that happened, and we were on the Zoom together for like. I don't know, all day I was on the blur, basically. But like we got on the Zoom at like seven, eight o'clock and it ended like four or five in the morning. Just like, just basically shooting the shit and just like, (laughs) just trying to like get our heads around what happened because our last number one was 2014. Oh wow. And we, you know, we put out a few records since then and this was definitely the one that we weren't expecting, but actually the one that kind of meant the most because it was as I said, like a record that we'd really inhabited for so long post-recording it, Mm -hmm. that I was like, I just really want people to like this the way I do. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just standard though, because like our fan base is, every artist around the world will say, we have the best fans. And of course it sounds like a generic answer, but, you know, it's all based on perception. And and arguably I'd say that, you know, our fan base for me Mm -hmm. and for us five is the best fan base in the world because it's the way that we kind of, see it all, but mm. you don't make it in the music industry for 15 years that having a, like a really passionate um, foundation, for, but also people that are like intelligent and care enough to understand there'll be like change in sounds. And like, mm-hmm. they kind of like, they've allowed us our fan base to kind of make left turns.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, yeah. and
0: but also not just dismiss it and turn their back on it. It may not be their favorite, but they don't write us off. And I think, I guess that comes back from the fact that we built it from ground zero. Mm. It's not like we just rocked up one day and had got played in the radio and boom, we're at Brixton. Like it, we did every single venue you can think of. We slept on every single <laughs> venue floor around the country and rode mega buses and, you know, just mad stuff that a lot of bands and artists, I think it, it shapes you. And mm. I think, and it shapes your fan base. Yeah. So to skip those stages, every, every artist has got their own journey. But I think like that is been integral to the mm-hmm. band's longevity and success um and yeah I, for me I, it felt like a real victory because like as i said it was unexpected because our confidence was so low but then it was like a nice reminder that we do have this like huge like so, sort of like army of fans yeah, that like yeah and they're re- so loyal yeah and they really do back us so you know props to them for continuing to surprise us and mm-hmm. i guess you know, I guess the band means as much to us as it does to them, which mm. is a special thing. So
1: That's what was amazing about, obviously, researching and you, you and, the, and the band for this podcast. Some of your fans have been with you since, like, the Bebo days, remember that? When you were on the FIFA soundtrack, you know, those early yeah. shows. So some people have been with you, like you say, for the last 15 years, which yeah, is it's pretty mad. incredible, whether you put out a poppier sound, a heavier sound. Uh, but, but Sucker Punch, standout songs for me, what you're doing right now, great song. Thanks so much. Um, That's my favorite song on the record. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Also, uh finish what I started, which is who. That goes that goes in as in it's very honest, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Um well, I mean, I can give kind of like some context to both of those if you want, like yeah. what you're doing right now is an interesting one because it's a song that didn't exist when we got to Thailand. And there was an evening in which um I think Max and Chu were doing guitars and another song. And me and dad just finished watching, I think it's Liverpool Man City or something, because we're both smashed. We've been drinking all day. <laughs> and then we stayed up to watch the football. So it was about like one, two o'clock in the morning. And I was like, there's no way that I we shouldn't use this right now. Like just this energy we've got. We've been listening to like J. Cole and like Kendrick Lamar for a few hours. And I was like, I really want this band to celebrate the fact that we have this passion and affiliation to this sound and this whole Mm. urban world. And like, I feel like we've never like brought that into our sound at all. So anyway, me and Dan wrote this song at about three o'clock in the morning. Everybody else came into Dan's room, which we kind of converted into a studio about 4.35. And we made a group decision at six that we were going to record that song the next day. Oh, wow. So we literally like wrote it, me and Dan, in an hour and a half. And then we decided, and we we didn't really have a plan for the next day to record it that way. So that was when I said that Thailand was like an amazing experience it's because there was that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There, there was that sort of like space in which it wasn't a way in which we had done a record before. Usually mm. we were like, we'll write all the songs up front, we'll pre-pro them, we'll go in, and it's kind of like, okay, here we are, we're in recording mode. Mm. But it was just like over the top creative mm. in terms of like being able to do something like that. Um, mm. And yeah, I I think it's definitely quite a versatile song. It shows that, you know, we can do a slightly different thing. Um, and then we've finished what I started. I mean, honestly, we wrote that song back in 2017. Uh, we were on tour in Germany. And I guess I'd kind of got to across... It was the first time that I really accepted the fact that I was kind of in a bad space. Um, and... The reason that song has not seen the light of day, continuing came out. It's continuing wrote in 2017. It took that long to put it out was because I was kind of unsure if I wanted people to hear me in that space, Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of went through a like a weird thing in which Tyson Fury was going through his rebirth. Mm. The same time I felt I went through it, so I was like. Watching and seeing all this stuff about this guy that had suffered with mental health, and I definitely had a phase like you know, I don't want to be too like transparent, but I went through some periods of time where I was definitely like, you know, on 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 the on the edge, if mm. you like, of, um, of of the spectrum of being all right and wanting to not be here sort of thing, and um, I found I found a lot of comfort in somebody that had really was at ground zero showing that much bravery. So it's like, well, like, if he can do it, mm-hmm. I can do it. And I think that's why a lot of people, whether or not they love boxing or not, they every ever seems to gravitate towards that story, especially yeah. a lot of young men that have maybe suffered in, in an environment, which is toxic masculinity and, and, and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so I, I was just writing this song and I was just like, nah, I can't have people hear this. And then I finally sat down and told my parents what had happened during my life in that period of time of writing it. And explained to them I was like if you feel uncomfortable that people will hear this then we won't put it on the record but I think there's something in this song and they were like if you can do what Tyson Fury's done for you for somebody else mm-hmm. is that for your not, fan base then, is yeah. that is is that not the whole point of what this whole you six family is about it's like you know trying to elevate people and you know bring them in and people to have you know uh, find light in dark moments so i was like yeah it was definitely it was always an interesting one for me like talking about that but it was um i think it was an important thing and i think music is that um that art form which really can it can really turn strangers into they can have a an a common denominator in which they really feel like okay this person understands me yeah, and it can really do uh, powerful thing so yeah that song for me was definitely one that i'm glad that us and me and the lads decided to put on the record and because most of the time we we write songs and record them so long ago Mm they just end up in the bin somewhere so (laughs) it's nice we put it out yeah
1: no i'm glad this one came out how has it been received by fans because it is you being probably the most honest you've you've ever been and like you say touching on some pretty pretty dark things
0: yeah, it it is, but it's also quite like it's quite optimistic, mm. you know. Because in the way it's like I'm gonna finish what I started, which is ultimately a metaphor for like finishing life properly and not finishing it down in the gutter. It's yeah. like no, I'm gonna f- it, when my time comes, it will be at, it will be when a I'm at a better place. And I think sometimes it's easy like. I think mental health is one of those things that is still, we're all trying to figure it all out. Like we're all really truly trying to understand like the implications of it, mm-hmm. how to diagnose it, how to communicate it. And ultimately, if, you know, how to... I even had it on the weekend with my friends. We were at this party and we were talking about it. He's going through a pretty crap time. And um, I was just trying to explain to him that like, we in society find this strange Way of like not giving ourselves any credit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So like even if like getting out of bed and having a shower or and going for a walk or you know b- putting something together where you have like a healthy meal, you make a phone call to a friend or a family member. Like that's that's little marks on the board.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you're moving forward in your yeah. day. And I think that especially in in a in a in a world in which everyone is just always just like, it's this nine to five culture, but actually mm. it's not a nine to five, it's a seven to eight culture. Mm-hmm. It's so it's, fast paced. You know what well, I mean? Like, oh, let's everybody don't clock off till like 11 o'clock at night, really mentally. And I was just sort of like, you know, um, I'm, I wasn't surprised that people resonated with it because I've always tried to like write stuff that is only about, without being totally narcissistic, it is about my journey. Mm-hmm as a man, a young man, trying to figure out the world, trying to figure himself out, trying to make sure that like, you know, there's songs I listen back to, I go, damn, you were angry, you know? (laughs) Or, wow, you're really confused about how you should like verbalize your anger. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? like, And so I kind of feel like the band has always acted as like a vehicle in which essentially it's been a diary that I've just kept for 15 years, but publicly. (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, along the way, I've probably been a bit more reserved in what I shared than I would have. I should have been mm. because that's the, the best thing about Sucker Punch as a record is kind of reinstalled that belief in me that, you know, the more vulnerable you are, whether in a positive or negative way, the more people are going to like gravitate towards that and they're going to yeah. appreciate it. Mm. Like that you're sharing something like genuine and real mm-hmm. when you just try and like map something together and like, oh, well, this will work because it's, the pop radio formula, whatever the, the bullshit that comes with it, people are smarter than that. Yeah. They they can smell it. Mm-hmm. And that's why like over the last few years, you've had like, even it's like, okay, Billy Ice is a global superstar. Lil, Lil Nas X is like, obviously, you know, become one as well. But mm-hmm. like they're telling real stories about real journeys. Mm-hmm. And it's not like just, you know, coated in fucking like, just dumb triplets or like, you know, just lines of words that mean Mm. nothing like they're actually putting some substance in their songs and yeah i think that's just important and i think it's easy to lose sight of that especially when like you're in you're in it you're like oh well i've got to do something that was as good as the last one so i'll just fake this one because as long as it's got that that formula that blueprint will be all right it's never all right you can't do that sort of stuff so but you only kind of really figured that out with trial and error yeah. You know what I mean? 15 so. years of doing it. <laughs> that's it. That's it.
1: Yeah, and as well as putting out music, you're back touring of course. You just did a bunch of shows with mm. Bring Me The Horizon which yeah. looked incredible.
0: Yeah, it was mad. It was mad like we did obviously Reading and we had like we had some headline shows and we had um Isla White uh, a a Catfish from the bottom end in Swansea which was great. And then yeah, obviously the tour with Bring Me. Mm-hmm. Um I mean we've known those boys for a very long time. And for me, I got a sense that that was a very pivotal moment in British rock music, I think. Mm -hmm. I think people, fundamentally people look back at that and go, that's a band that will headline festivals for decades. Mm -hmm. It was a special, special show. Um, And I couldn't be more full of admiration, respect for that band, because I think what they're doing is they've, they've, they've turned a corner big time in terms of like, Sorry, guys, the the levels are here,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but you need that. You need that in every shape and form in life. You need that in music, oh, big, and you need that healthy competition. So they they will by them raising the standards elevates everyone else. To be like, sorry, just rocking up with the backdrop and some cabs isn't enough, <laughs> you know. Like because the show is insane, right? Yeah. Um, and so that first of all, and second of all, like I felt that. You know, in, for me, that's the tour of the year in terms of having an unbelievable headliner and then a band in the shape of us that I think people know of and like, and we definitely brought our our shit to it. Um, and then Nova Twins who I think are a special, special mm. band. And I think that if you came to that show as like a fan of rock music of any shape and form, punk, metal, hardcore, fucking pop rock whatever you left going i that had a was good, good that was a good mm-hmm. night mm. and i think sometimes you can leave shows of any sort of artist a bit like that's cool i liked when they did that song yeah but that was cool
1: mm.
0: whereas i've never had you know more feedback on a tour we've been part of that hasn't been necessarily been our own in particular mm-hmm. through friends and family which has been like you know, I was like trying to meet with people at the O2. Like, oh, should we get a beer during the show? Like, no, I've just seen the first few songs of Nova Twins. We'll we'll catch you after <laughs> no you play. Chance. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and then like, I'll be like, all right, we're finished. Do you want to meet? I was like, no, I've just seen the first few songs of Bring Me. I'm watching whole thing. Like it was something that captivated like the minds of everybody mm. that came to it. So I think it was a powerful moment. And I think that, you know, there's definitely a thing in rock music where we're all islands mm-hmm. and like we look after our own space and that's kind of like... Respectfully, I think because we are up against it in terms of the pop machine
1: mm-hmm.
0: and not even the pop machine, but like the the love that people have for straight up, like it's a Spotify playlist, right? And if you're not in that top 40, what chance have you got of being played on the radio? What chance have you got of having like the all seeing eye on you at that moment in time? So when you are in a band, and you have that, there are some, that do celebrate others and, and bring others in. But there are a lot that just go, we're just gonna enjoy our sunshine for a yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah.
1: We're gonna do our own
0: thing. Yeah, so I, that's why I think that tool was important for the whole the whole group, if you like, because I think it's gonna encourage bands to be like, hey, you know what, when we gang together, strengthen numbers, seriously. Mm-hmm. Like you wanna have big sold out shows? Well, put your egos to one side and go, you're in a good band, you're in a good band. Hey, you're, you're an up and coming band, let's put it together. Mm. And people will come, you know, rather than having all of us play in the same week in London. What does that achieve? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So other than financial, but <laughs> money's not that important. No, It's much better to be celebrated with, you know, great art and that. So
1: Yeah, it's amazing almost to have it as one big celebration. I feel like more people are up for collaborating as well after the last like year and a half. It's like, hang on a minute, let's actually support each other.
0: Yeah, you know? 100%. I, I don't. I th- honestly, I, I don't think there's there's been as much willingness as there has been over the last sort of 18 months for rock bands to get together. I mean, when we were coming through originally, we had a record called Hold Me Down. And we had like, we had uh, Sean from the Blackout and Aleph and Kissing Glass Hours at the time on our records. And that same period of time I sang on a Bring Me record. Mm -hmm. Then like six months later, Ollie sang on um, Since Never Sleep. And then on that same record, we had Winston Parkway Drive and there was like oh right we're really like building like this thing around like british music and like putting stuff together and then like it's kind of died like everyone's got really like sort of precious about their stuff and i think again i think it's because it's kind of like you know just swimming we're always swimming upstream if you've got a guitar on your band you're swimming upstream <laughs> um and i think there's been a few a few interesting moments of in the last sort of, 18 months which have kind of opened a few doors and People are sort of understanding that, like, hey, you know, like Jay Z, Kendrick, Drake, J. Cole, um, all these people on one on one record mm-hmm. or one single are doing it. Why aren't we doing that? Why yeah. are we why are we not turning up to the radio stations being like, here's a single where you've got Sam from Architects, Simon from Biffy, Josh from Yumi and Ollie from Bring Me. Doesn't matter which band's song it is, we're all on one song. What a celebration of that genre. Ugh,
1: make that happen by the way. Do this. you know what I mean? That'd be good, wouldn't
0: it? Okay, no, Let's tough. go. It's Let's tough, go. Tough work. <laughs>
1: uh, in the meantime, you're putting out a special edition 10th anniversary version of your record Sinners Never Sleep. Yeah. As if it's been 10 years. Or does it feel like 10 years for you? As a fan, I'm like, I can't believe that.
0: I remember. I remember being like 19 And we went and watched Funeral for a Friend play a gig in Los Angeles. And they were telling me, we went for dinner before their show, and they were telling me, like, they were like, keep your eyes open because this is going to fly past you like you won't believe. And I was like, all right, mate, I'm 19, relax, like it's, I'm good. (laughs) And then I woke up and I was 29, and
1: I was like, here we are. (laughs) Fuck
0: they were, they were right. bloody right they were right so yeah it's it's one of those where and it's always when like those sort of like flag on the ground moments come around it's like it's an anniversary of x amount of years mm. you're like okay that's tough but also it's like how incredible that it, we're not it's not just us that it in a corner on our own mm-hmm. like we have these two huge shows that we're doing in 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 hatfield and Taffel Park, and then in Templeton Park and these, I think it is. Um, you know, across the shows like twenty five thousand people, wow. and it's like celebrating a record that we put out when we didn't really even know what we were doing, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of <laughs> so like, people liked it, yeah. And then that's that's it, and that's kind of like, you know, I guess it's it's one of those things that yeah, you try and figure out why something goes that way and why people enjoy it and and whatever. But I think that I'm, those days are thinking that sort of stuff have gone for me, to be honest, because I've spent years just in like some mad, just downward spiral of just trying to understand how to make this thing successful. But then ultimately, the success is that we can have a record, be celebrating its 10 year anniversary and people care about it. That's success. Yeah, that's an know, absolute win. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's the whole world cares, mm-hmm. but our whole world cares about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I think that yeah it's gonna be massive and their record definitely felt like a moment in time and like you know you even saw when we did the O2 with, with Bring Me and, and Ollie came out for Bite of My Tongue like it's mm. pandemonium you know like people are, I mean, I was kind of it was a shame we couldn't do that every show but it was just like logistics and trying to we're both like trying to ease ourselves into doing a tour for the first time and I get it I wouldn't necessarily want to go out and scream down on my phone if I had to do it an hour and a half set 20 minutes later but yeah. um, you know to do that at the O2 was special because it was just like see how far that song's traveled is pretty cool. So yeah, good times. I'm looking forward to it. And I think we saw what happened with the Take of Colors 10-year anniversary shows we did. Um, and I and I kind of knew that people would be, there'd be an appetite for that because we really don't play any of those songs live. Yeah. But I have been surprised to see how gas people are for this because we still have a lot of those songs in our set. So mm-hmm. we like deliberately took a lot of them out over the last sort of like, well the last month of touring because we're like we want this to be a thing of if you're here you will see these songs live Mm. for definite
1: so yeah people are ready those two shows particularly are going to be chaos silly
2: yeah
1: right Josh let me explain how the rest of the podcast is going to work so we've been through the internet and found a bunch of stuff that people really want to know about you Josh oh no it's time for you to face the celebrity search engine and reveal the, the answers that the world wants to know are you ready Sure. As ready as you'll ever be. Um, so let's start by seeing what happens when we put in Josh Franceschi and the word who. Uh, who is he is the first thing that comes up. So tell me about that guy from You at Six. What would you say?
0: Stand up bloke.
1: Absolute loves legend. A pi- loves a, pi- loves a bloke.
0: Loves a pint. <laughs> um, just somebody who... When he was 16, was just like, I don't want to, I can't fit in this box. I need to go and do something that isn't, that feels like a trap, mm. you know? So I was like, I'm leaving college. I'm going to be in a band. And that was it. Um, just never really looked back. And I think there's, that Josh Franceschi is just a bloke without Max Helio, Chris Miller, Matt Barnes and Dan Flint. You know, I think we're all kind of of that mindset that like we're in this really weird family that mm. you know you can choose your friends you can't choose a family but i would have taken any of those lads as like as as my bros. so um yeah just still a, a work in progress would be if somebody said who's josh i'd be like josh Franceski's a work in progress constantly just trying to figure it out but also just trying to enjoy it and not overthink it um but has the lungs and you me at six. That's what he does.
1: <laughs> He's got the pipe. He's the lungs, yeah. Uh, who is Josh Franceschi dating? Uh,
0: my Ooh, girlfriend. There we go. Cares <laughs> Withers is my girlfriend, yeah.
1: And how did you two meet? Has it been a while?
0: You know what's funny about this is that um, she has nine max since they were like 16. Oh, okay. And she reckons that I met her a few times. And I don't remember it in the slightest. <laughs> Um, but we actually had a few like we threw some huge like news eve parties back in like 2010 2011 time which she came to um because she's literally she's friends with all my best mates basically Mm -hmm. um i think me and her are both always in relationships so obviously when you're in a relationship you're in a relationship you don't like look elsewhere sort of thing um and a few summers ago like I just, my, I went out for dinner with my mate and he was like, oh, Kesley is around the corner from here in Stoke Newington. And I was like, oh yeah, nice. He's like, you guys would probably get on quite well. I was like, I'm not really in the market at the moment, mate. I've just come out of something and I just want to concentrate on myself. And um, anyway, yeah, just, he was just like, seriously, drop her a text, see what, you know, you make of it. And um, originally I was just looking for a mate, to be honest, to hang out with around where I lived because at that time, I wasn't like, didn't have like a massive circle of friends where I was living. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, yeah, went out for a beer and I was like, you're really safe. I'm going to Thailand next week for two months. <laughs> but if you're about when I'm Wait about, around? let's let's go for a date. And she did and we did. And then like we were only literally together for like a few months and then lockdown happened.
2: And, oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And she was like, what do you want to do? How do you want to play this? And I was like, I'm cool. It'll be a few weeks. I don't worry about it. And she was like, I don't know if it's going to be a few weeks. She, we why,
1: thought it was going to be at the start, though, didn't we? Yeah,
0: and she was like, look, if it's a few weeks, why don't you come hang out with me for a few weeks? Like, we've already been together for a few months. Like, it'll be fun, whatever. And then she's never left. <laughs> she's, and she, never she's, leaving. she's never moved out, and I'm glad she hasn't. So, yeah, just, <laughs> that's it.
1: Love that. Uh, people are also searching. Who are you, me, at six signed to?
0: We're signed to our own imprint at AWOL Records, Um. So we have. They're basically like. They're probably the first. I mean, we've been lucky. We've been on some great labels in our time.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, but Able have really like encouraged like our independence and like allowed us our own imprint there called Underdog Records for obvious reasons. Not the name, yeah. Thank you. Um, but yeah, they're really cool and they basically just got a great team there and and they just kind of. I've, we've been in all sorts of environments but they're definitely the most supportive. it has been like you guys go make whatever you want come to us when it's finished and we will put a plan together that feels right for both us and you and that's really refreshing because you know i've i've been in situations before without like casting shame on anybody where like you know i've had like mds some record labels call me up in la been like I'm sending the whole band home and you're going to finish the record on your own and this is what we're doing and this is going to be the first single and that's happening. And it's like, they're obviously not people, 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 mm. or music people because they don't get understand how a band works. It's not one person. Yeah,
1: it's not
0: um, one person. And so, yeah, I think being at AWOL has been really liberating for us and kind of reinvigorated our our love for for what we do purely because everything is really transparent. Everything's really simple. And I, I definitely—they're relatively, I guess, in the space a relatively new company, mm. um, but they have that that desire to kind of elevate their artists rather than like try and suppress them or try and—they don't want to over-nurture them. You know, they're yeah. like, "Go do your thing," and if it works, it will work because you made it work. Mm. And I think that's kind of kind of cool.
1: So underdog records, are you looking to sign anyone else to it at some point? Could that be a thing?
0: Yeah, I'd love to do that. I think it's just honestly the right time, right fit. I mean, there's a few artists that I've spoken to about it. Um, but it, full disclosure, have been just trying to take care of our own stuff mm. before I want to even have the responsibility of trying to like navigate somebody else's like hopes and dreams. I want to make sure that I really understand what I'm doing um and we haven't really it's like an imprint in terms of like we haven't got our own infrastructure within that company we we use that as like an umbrella with the service deal that's in place but they've pull whichman's always said to me is like if there's anybody you want to bring in that you really think could do the business uh, and you'll get stand behind then it's we'll, we'll, well it's on basically and again I I love that sort of like psyche that they're just like you know there's an unbelievable team there and they've definitely got that thing of like, we just want to do stuff the way it should be done, mm. which is pretty, pretty unique.
1: Yeah. You've got to, got to love that. So obviously as a band, you've been around for a while now, <laughs> formed in 2004, gained success with your debut album in 2008. What's been your proudest achievement, do you think?
0: Um, I think probably that it's all the same people. Mm. same members i think i'm proud most of how we face adversity because it's all well and good when shit's going well anybody can anybody can chuck on a smile you know high five you get a shot at the bar but when it's like when it's dark and it's difficult you find out who else is occupying that space and who else is like in that corner i think that have we had our moments where we've been difficult towards one another? Definitely, but the standards are always shared, and that we just want—if we all lose, we've all got to lose together.
1: Yeah.
0: And if we all win, we've all got to be, in, you know, be triumphant together. So I'm most proud of that, but I'm also proud of the fact that we've just done some ridiculous things. Like when we left, when I left college, and I think some of the lads were still, I think they, I think, yeah, Chewie and Max still did college for a year whilst we first started touring. I'm proud that like there were so many people was like, What are you doing? You're throwing your life away, blah, blah, blah. And you know, we've got two number one records, headline arenas, <laughs> been around the world Sounds however many pretty times.
1: Isn't it? It's
0: just sort of like, <laughs> not that that's what it's about, mm. but it kind of is. Mm. Cause I've always enjoyed, that's why we write a song called Underdog. Like we love that mentality of you won't achieve, you can't do it. Mm. It's not possible. And, you know, as I said, we're not like, we don't go in headline arenas all around the world and go to red carpet events and that. But like for what we've done from where we've come from um, and again, whilst maintaining like our ethos and our, like, our principles, I think that's pretty rare. I think that's pretty that's something to celebrate because there's a lot of bands that are like, Fast bands, yeah. You know that, like, mm. come. You're like, damn, they're going to take over the world, mm. and then within a year, the world's taken them over, yeah, and they're finished. Mm-hmm. So for us to kind of lived and breathed it all together, I think, yeah, is a pretty special thing mm. for sure. That's what I'm and most still
1: proud going, of. still going strong, still going. Another yes. fifteen years potentially.
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> the, See how
1: long you last. Yeah,
0: I, I'm, I'm up for it. I just, I want, I want us to. You know that person that's like in the kitchen at like six o'clock in the morning, and you're like, mate, you should go home yeah. now.
1: Or you should just go to bed. Yeah. It's done.
0: I, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. You
1: don't want to be a clinger on her. With
0: the band. <laughs> so I want us to still as long as we're saying something
1: mm-hmm.
0: and as long as we're having an impact which is productive and also like progressive, then I wanna be part of it. Yeah. And I want us all to feel like also we've all gotta want it. If anybody's like, I think I've done that part of my life now, I'd like to do something else, then we have to leave it there because it can't be anybody but us five. Yeah. So every time it comes to being like we had this conversation three weeks ago, are we doing this? Are we making another record? Who wants it? And if at any point someone's like, I think I could like maybe leave it there, then we have to leave it there. Mm-hmm. So I think as long as the band's in a space in which as I said we're not like I just I don't I don't want anyone to ever go, Oh god, I liked them when they were good. Or, yeah. I, I, or do you want to outstay
1: your welcome? do you know what I mean most? like yeah.
0: I just I just I kind of I think that's because sometimes also creating a legacy is kind of you know equally as important as being in and amongst it yeah you know I don't want to be one of those bands that like was there and then there's like playing to 50 people at some bar in London it's just fucking tragic mm. from where we were so mm-hmm. as long as we're doing things that is yeah that feels good and feels healthy and we're doing it for the right reasons then We'll make music as long as people want to listen to it. Mm-hmm. But when they don't want to listen to it, I'll kind of want to have like a year's heads up so we can like leave gracefully. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, they, yeah. they ask that, if you're yeah. like, lads, fuck off, <laughs> then we will.
1: Okay, Josh, let's move from the who's to the how's. Uh, a lot of people asking, how were you, me at six formed? What is the story here?
0: Um. So yeah, basically I met Max in a mosh pit
1: uh, of course you
0: did that's one, so on brand isn't it yeah I was, and it's I wish it was um, I wish it was an like exaggeration but I literally met him in a mosh pit at a local gig we did in Weybridge he was in a different band I was in a different band and our mates band was playing and he was wearing a drive Through records t-shirt which is a record label at the time when still to this day really loved and I was just like what's your favourite band drive Through?" and he was like Finch I was like Finch, my favourite band too he's like cool should we go have a bottle of White Lightning? I was like, yeah, sweet. <laughs> so he like went down like the little service shop down the road, got a bottle of white, white Lightning, sat outside the venue, just started trading off stories about all the bands we liked. And then um, he was like, we should start a band. And I knew this, this guy, who was always wearing Bob Marley shirts and really long hair <laughs> called Matt. And I was like, do you want to be in a band? He's like, yeah. I knew he loved Drive Records as well. Mm. We both had like this band called The End of November, which we loved. And he was like, I've got a neighbor called Chris who plays guitar, he's pretty cool. And he skates and he's just like, he's just a chill dude, like you'll like him. And then we had a drummer called Joe for a while and I, we, did a, we did a few shows together and we were just like, you know, he was a great guy. But we were just like, it's not really, it's not really fitting that way. And then Matt was like, I, I play, they all went to music college mm-hmm. and uh, Dan was in Matt's class and he was like, this guy's, Really sweet, and there's a bit of a demon behind the drums. We should get him in as well. And we got him in, and then I think a month later, we played a gig at the Underworld, supporting our friend's band. And that night, we got a radio plugger, our press person, and our agent all in one gig.
1: Wow, that is efficient.
0: And yeah, I mean, I was kind of expecting them all to politely say no, but I used to like, I used to book shows through MySpace basically, and mm. this is one of the shows that i a put through MySpace, and um, we just kinda like, we've gotta give this a go, we, but we're gonna give it a go, we need to get like people that know what they're doing, because we don't know what we're doing, yeah. we're like aimlessly emailing Kerrang and rock and being like, can we be in your magazine? <laughs> and they're like, no, and, do you know what I mean? Like, sending actual CDs to, like Radio One and XFM, and no one's applying, and I get why, because um, they probably get thousands of that every single day. <laughs> but um yes yeah, so we got these people and we was like right this is how we're going to do it and it really it really was as simple as it sounds like it was it was it was one of those times in which I'm glad that it was all as organic as that mm-hmm. because I think that because again our foundations are built on I like this band we like the same stuff this guy's a good person he's technically amazing bit shy but loves to skate the drummer bit of a chav loves David Beckham, but, but it's really safe. Like, it was all, it, the whole, the criteria was like, are you safe?
1: Yeah. If and you it, are, let's, then let's,
0: at least let's jam. It. Let's yeah. give it a go. And then, literally like a year and a half later, we're like, playing the Astoria, and we're sort of like, what's going on here? So. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's pretty mad. The good old it? days. It was that easy. Yeah.
0: Meet in a mosh pit, start a band, headline the Astoria. Yeah.
1: get big on myspace lovely stuff yeah exactly (laughs) uh so the next question is a bit cheeky it's the one that gets everyone squirming Uh the people have been searching how much is josh franzeski worth oh no do you want to know what it says on the internet
0: uh go on then what's it
1: say Uh, it says 69 million dollars
0: does not say that
1: (laughs) It absolutely does
0: you you reckon that seriously? That's what it says. Not even fucking. And everything co- on
1: the internet's true. You know that.
0: Sixty nine p, more like no. I think again. Well, we've we've had we've had a very, um, a very very transparent relationship with money in our band, which is like everything gets split five ways mm-hmm. in terms of recording, publishing, touring, merch, whatever. If somebody else goes off and does something else on top, sweet, good for you. Mm-hmm. Other than that, because it's so, money is one of those conversations which you can always, whether consciously or subconsciously, will shift somebody's opinion of a situation. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, we're all in this together, and if we win, we all win, and if we lose, we all lose, versus I'm winning, you're all losing, regardless, it it sets it, it sets the wrong sort of temperature for everything mm-hmm. so yeah i mean as i said i've i've since i worked for like a year at weight shows in weybridge when i was like 15 16 i've not had to do anything else other than you meet at six is amazing, isn't it? which is pretty perfect so yeah it's been we're very lucky that yeah we've got um again it's a testament to to them that our fan base has supported us that that intensely that we haven't had to you know, I mm-hmm. um, had, had to get a, a day job, if you like. So, yeah, it's, 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 our, it's a vocational thing, but it's also like, it's it, it's our life, you know. Yeah.
1: So. Do you remember getting your first, like, big paycheck with the band? And what did you spend it on? Was it something ridiculous or was it sensible?
0: So my, fir- my first ever big paycheck was headlining Weybridge Town Hall. My dad booked the venue, oh. covered the specs venue, and we sold it out and there's like 150 people there. Something say so, I mean, so sold out. It's a church hall. So like whatever, like it's not too much bigger than this room. <laughs> and he went, he go, here's the money you've all made. It was like 300 quid. And you were when, like, wow. When I'm you're golden. 15 with 300 quid, I was like, oh shit. It's on. <laughs> I'm, I'm going back to school tomorrow and it's on. Forget the GCSEs, <laughs> I got paper. Um, so yeah, that was my first like, Big paycheck, and I probably spent it on like one one piece suites or whatever. But I remember the the first thing that I can definitely track was I was like, as soon as I make enough money, and it's not just like stupid, stupid purchases, I'll get me and my dad season tickets to Arsenal, which I did, and mm-hmm. did that about ten years ago. So that was kind of like, and they're not cheap. They're like they're not anymore. Right? No, no, at the Emirates, no, they're not. Um, but that was the first thing that I was like, this I've made something I want to spend it on something that's like going to be experience, you know, an annual, an annual, weekly, monthly experience. But um, yeah, I mean, some of the, some of the guys have like, you know, we've all the other thing is we've all been able to get houses out of the band, which is mm-hmm. like, again, we were like we thought that'd be a main victory if we could get a house each at the band that'd be pretty special. So other than that, just like just you know going on holidays and that. Yeah, I don't really have like a, a like an acquired taste in which I need like designer shit or anything like that. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty chill.
1: More about the experience. I totally yeah, get that. Sure. You must have had some wild nights out though with the band. Like, what do you reckon's the <laughs> the biggest bar bill? Would you not remember? That's the that's biggest potential. bar
0: bill. The biggest bar bills are the one you never pay, and that that's 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 for experience. <laughs> so there was this one time where we did a gig in. Fat Sam's in Dundee and we'd played the small room and some other geezer played the big room and then he had a tab up in the VIP bar bit and it turned to a nightclub. And I, we were on tour of a band called Fight Star at the time. Oh yeah. Charlie I Simpson. Them, yeah. Um and a band called Emmanuel and a band called The Sleeping. And I I was literally sixteen maybe 17, so I had no right to even be in there anyway. (laughs) And some of the Americans in the group figured out that there was a tab going on called Steve's Tab. And they were like, let's just keep shooting hoops. And like, if somebody comes in and calls us, then we jet But until then we'll give it a go. And I think uh, we went back to Fat Sounds about three years later and Steve was the owner of Fat Stamps. That's whose tab it was. Oh, right. And he was like, you guys had a good time last time you were here. And I was yeah, like, uh, I was like us. yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And that was only like, I think that was like five grand between like 30 of us. It's not even that impressive. But <laughs> we've, I've, we've, we've, had, we've had some nights where we've been like in city places. Um, I remember one night being out in um, Kuala Lumpur and we went to this like rooftop hotel bar and the promoter took us out for dinner. He was like, look, I'll take you up to this, this this place. And he's like, but you have to dress up a little bit smarter. You can't come in like oh, okay. shorts and shirts. Or whatever. So we got a little bit dressed up. And I don't know what happened, but I know <laughs> at one point I was fully clothed in a pool with somebody on my shoulders, somebody in the band or crew on my shoulders being like, three shots out. Imagine like Shoreditch House, like, you know, the, the pool up there. Imagine shouting to everyone there, Free shots, everybody. <laughs> uh, it was I imagine it was pretty dirty. Again, <laughs> we didn't pay for it. We are we, we're quite sneaky like that. We'll never pay for the, the moody bar tabs. That's how you do it.
1: I need to take a leaf out of your book. That's that's it, isn't it? That's You've
0: always secret. got to buy your round. Yeah. But if but somebody, then... if somebody's opened up a tab, that's not your responsibility.
1: It's <laughs> their responsibility. They've it got really is on you. it really is
0: their problem, yeah.
1: Next, Josh, we move on to the autofill suggestions. So basically, what else comes up when people put your name into Google? Okay. Um this one I thought was really interesting. Josh Franceski, Dougie Pointer, related. Is this true? Yeah. I had no idea.
0: Nor did I. It's about <laughs> six months ago. No. <laughs> so yeah, so basically I got an email I got a message on social media from his grandma.
1: Right.
0: Saying that, um, her cousin was my grandma. Wow. And I was like, and I, but I've had a few of these in my time. Have you? Being in the, like, people be like, I'm related to you. I'm like, no. Oh, just because they
1: want to be like, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm related to someone you yeah. meet. And
0: I was right. like, okay, cool, you're not. And I was like, so I text Doug, he like, is this actually your grandma? He's mm. like, yeah. And I was like, because she knows a lot about my family to not be your grandma, yeah. and to be lying. And to be making it up. And then so she, I was like, "This is amazing!" And so I mentioned it to my dad, and she's like, "Oh yeah, it's your grandma's cousin." I was like, "Right, so wow. yeah, we are." I mean, it's not like first cousin. Don't even. Know, I don't think that's not even second cousin, is it? But we're somewhere down the line. We're related,
1: distantly from, related. Um, from
0: yeah, the sort of it's like Essex, Woolwich end of our family trees. But it was weird because I said to my grandmother, um, she lives out in Corsican. I was like did you not know that your cousin's grandson was also in a, well, not also, but in a really successful band in McFly, like that you've never-
1: Never thought to mention it. You've never
0: <laughs> meant like you've never had, you've never had a conversation about what your grandchildren are up to. Yeah. And she was like, well, we'd lost contact for about 15 years. So oh. they've only just recently got back in contact because, you know, my grandmother isn't exactly on social media, she's 91. So she's not right. on social media. She's not on the gram. Um, She ain't on the gram. (laughs) Um, And I think she changed, she changed the house number and um, Dougie's grandma didn't really know how to get in contact because she'd known for a while. I think she clocked when she saw Shirley Franceschi, which is my grandma's name. She was like, oh, right, that's, isn't that, I think one of her, one of her other grandkids likes you at six and and they said my name out loud. And she's like, Mm -hmm. I think I've got a cousin called, Franceschi so yeah all very strange but all really funny so me and him have actually reconnected over that and we're gonna meet up and, and have a good old catch up and dinner and stuff like that so oh that's it's so weird.
1: nice have like a family gossip
0: yeah it's, it's it's kind of strange I mean when I was saying the boys are like I don't believe you I was like <laughs> right that that's that's the lie that I've conducted in my head on the way to rehearsal days that I'm cousins <laughs> of Doug, Dougie from McFly yeah sure <laughs> that's what's happened
1: well, there you go, that, you learn something new every day. You do. Um, I love this one, and to be honest, this is the most important search. Josh Franceschi, dog. Harley, yeah. Because what a dog.
0: He's the best dog on the planet. <laughs> Everyone who meets him loves him, except for when he's passing wind. Um, <laughs> but he's not a dog. No? And, no, he's not a dog. And it's like-
1: Superhuman alien. It's,
0: it's yeah. It, I, I've met dogs, like real dogs that are dogs and behave like them and <laughs> do things that dogs do. Harley isn't a dog. He is like this weird, like from a different planet creature. He doesn't behave. He doesn't interact with the dogs. He doesn't like, he doesn't even like things that dogs are meant to like. No. Like when he goes on a walk, he doesn't want to walk. He wants to go and sniff everything, roll around a little bit. Then he stands right by your feet the whole time. It's been like, "What's next when we go to the pub he's not he's not he's he's not even bothered by people. He's not bothered by dogs, not bothered by people. He's really stubborn. and he's just like this strange sniffling French bulldog that for whatever reason i when i went and when I went and picked him up um he was Basically, I used to have a cuddly toy, which was a French bulldog,
3: Aww. when
0: I was like younger. So I always knew I was going to get a French bulldog, and then like he popped up on. Um, I was on this. I was on this website, which is basically like there's a there's a certain like certificate. I think it's called like something like the pedigree, something or other. I can't remember what it's called, but anyway, I was like look searching French bulldogs. There was none for ages, and then this one came up, and. Um, I went and picked him up and it was literally like a thing out of Shameless. Like it was (laughs) just bad. And he was the last one. He was the run of the list. He was the last one there. And he was crying when I picked him up. And I was like, well, I don't know if this this dog's all right. I was actually, my first thing was like, I'm going to take him to a vet and make sure to give him some health checks or whatever. And got in the back of the car. And as soon as we left the house, as soon as we were in the car, I had a box full of toys to put him in, like a makeshift bed. And he was completely fine, took him back to the house. And he was just like, I think nobody had been playing with him for Aww. however long. So he's always been my, my best mate. And yeah. like, I, I, I get really, I get in really shitty moods when I'm not around him. Yeah. And especially when I'm on, like, on tour or whatever. And I just, I hate the thought of like, they say that like dogs, I think after like three days of seeing their own, think they're dead. Or oh my god they, they like part oh, of that part of, of their psyche goes you know I'm gonna exist even though they don't actually know what existing is the concept of dying That's and so living horrible. but they just like oh they, they're gone so I actually went, went away for the weekend went and picked him up on Monday and he was like like slamming the door down <laughs> at my mum and dad's house trying to get out to come and see me. <laughs> he ran over and just like jumped all over and was like licking my face. Just ran <laughs> in straight away. Got his... you know, dogs are amazing because like, they don't so they don't ask for anything. If you give them love and well just love just, just love they give it back unconditionally tenfold mm. and they're so much better than humans because humans just have the tendency just to let you down. Dogs don't let you down. Mm. You know even when they like shit inside they're like you should take him for a walk yeah. earlier. It's and I still fault. look quite cute. And I'm not proud of it, <laughs> but it's what's happened. So let's deal with it. So
1: yeah. Oh, you need to take him on tour. But I guess it's just too hectic, isn't it? It's
0: too, it's not, it wouldn't be fair on him either. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I've taken him to, he's come to some shows. Um, that We did a show once in Kingston and like, I brought, I got everyone in the audience to be really quiet and I brought him out on stage and it's just like, he's lit. I think at that point he's only about 10 months. He's tiny.
1: Must have been uh, like,
0: and then he was just like, "What?" He's like, "What is going on?" And I was like, "Time to get you off, mate." It's too too <laughs> many people here, so, yeah.
1: and too many people were here just to see him. That's it. So what can you do? I don't Upstaged. Doubt. Exactly. Um, lots of people also searching: Is Josh Franceschi vegan? Yeah, which I know you are, and yeah. you've been vegan for a while.
0: Yeah, for about six, seven years. But I think like it started off as like just a challenge. Like I went like a yeah. year where I didn't drink. And then my next thing was like, oh, I'll go, you're yeah, not eating meat, and then when I actually got into like I guess being a vegetarian, I was like, "What else is going on there? Why would I be vegetarian like what's the benefits or but not just like on an individual level like what's the overall benefits for the planet as well and like just just i just especially getting harley like changed a lot of stuff for me because it's like well you get a real value for life more mm-hmm. outside of like just a, a human-on-human sort of in, in, interaction for like and I was like, well, I can't imagine ever the thought of like grilling him up, putting him in a burger. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I was like, see, I, as, as savage as that sounds, I was like, I was like <laughs> so how would I, now that I am vegetarian, how would I ever do that again? And you see documents like Cowspiracy and, you know, mm. all that sort of shit, like just kind of, just a, a switch flips and I was like, I don't need to I don't need to be part of that, you know? And I I try not to be preachy about it with like my friends and my family or even like our audience, if you like. But if somebody asks me about it, I'll tell them, I was like, yeah, I think you should seriously consider, you know, at least if you're a meatier, like taking that out of your diet, yeah. you know, only having it once or twice a week, start with that, see how that feels. I mean, I guarantee you, your life won't change that drastically. Mm. Um And it's, sh- I just think the relationship we have with, Animal products in general is so like distorted, like we think it's this never ending line of of life that we can just pick up whenever we want, and it's not, and that's the grim reality is that it is along with lots of other things, obviously, but it is contributing to the death of our planet, mm. you know, so animal culture is a huge huge um a huge issue in terms of, yeah, what, what that is, that the impact that's leaving on the planet. It's half the reason why I don't really want to, like, have kids, to be honest, because I don't want to leave them in this shit. Oh. Really? But, Do you
1: yeah, feel that way? Seriously,
0: yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Unless I see change over the next sort of 10 years. I'd rather be an older dad mm. and be like, I've started to see a shift than bring... Because the love I have for my dog, who will only probably be here for 10 years, the idea of, like, having a, a human being that's mine yeah. and going, crack on, have a good time with, yeah. we, we fucking did this. The literally
1: gonna be in blame, yeah. soon. Yeah,
0: we did this to you and I brought you into the world. <laughs> yeah. No way, no way am I doing that. The Franceschi legacy can die with me <laughs> quite happily. <laughs>
1: for a quick break now so whilst I show off my mega guitar skills to Josh Franceschi why don't you quickly blast out some new me at six back in a minute
0: Hello and welcome to A to Z of Men, a brand new podcast that helps explain, well, men. Each week, myself, Chris Brooks. And me, Scott Robinson. We take on a different letter of the alphabet. What? In order? Yeah, in order. We will find a word that best describes men that starts with that letter. So it's basically like a guide. Like a guide, yeah, that's correct. Well, this will really help me explain myself to the wife. We tackle topics such as mental health, stereotypes, and stupid things us men do. Don't forget sex. Oh, and sex. Plus, you can send in your words, stories, and, well, anything, to A2Z, it's the number two, 2 men at gmail.com, or follow us on Instagram and TikTok at A2ZofMen.
3: So join us each Wednesday as we create the A2Z of Men.
1: So the autofill search is done, and the final part of today is all about internet tombola. It's what we call it, it's like the internet lucky dip. Okay. So I have searched all the corners of the World Wide Web to find the stuff that people have been posting about you, so it could be,
0: oh, this is it gonna, could be all sorts, you know,
1: it could yeah. be thirsty comments on Instagram, it could be right. ridiculous tabloid headlines, it could be fan fiction on Tumblr, I mean, all sorts. Okay. Right, let's give the wheel a spin and see what it lands on. Okay. Uh, It's stopped on YouTube and it's a comment by a fan on your video for Beautiful Way. Mm. Imagine a collaboration between Josh and Sam from Architects. Their voices would be iconic together. I mean, I'm with them. Who is on your dream collaborations list? Sam up there?
0: I mean, Sam's been on there for a minute. Mm. Sam's a uh, a very versatile, um, charismatic beautiful frontman in terms of like even just what he's trying to say
1: mm-hmm.
0: and does say by the way um, but I've always been a huge architects fan I've definitely thought about I've but I've always thought to myself it has to be not just for the sake of it yeah. it has to feel like he would fit in this perfectly and also he has to want to do it as mm-hmm. well um but yeah I think you know what architects have become, um is 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 special. Mm. I think where that where their music's gone has been a brilliant transition from really just a sort of like hardcore band, post hardcore band, to sort of like where they're sitting now. Um at the top of the throne. So yeah, I've I've always, I've always thought that we'd do something at some point. Mm-hmm.
1: Um Who else though? Who else is on the list? Shoot your shot. This is this is a space.
0: I don't know. I mean, all of my stuff is like like urban stuff. But we're not really gonna make an RB record right or now. Are or are we? <laughs> we don't know yet, we've got to start writing it. Um I've always re- I've always had a fascination with Simon Neil from Biffy Clara. I think he's mm-hmm. got a beautiful voice. Again, a, a really special person. Um I'd call him a friend at this point to be honest, we've had many sort of great nights and many exchanges with one another I just think that he's you know I mean the boys in Biffy are just a kind of where you want to be as a band like mm-hmm. at the top but on their terms and it's uncompromised and mm-hmm. I think that's you know something to be celebrated so he's always been on my list and to be honest just anybody like that I go through phases i become obsessed with artists like I'm obsessed right now with Holly Humberston oh she's so amazing she? I just think like i kinda of, i I think to myself, if she continues to make the right moves, like the potential is endless mm-hmm. of where she could end up um she's a great storyteller, mm. but she's doing in it doing it in a really captivating way and showing already like her versatility in terms of like you know one song could wouldn't be. Out of place on a 1985 record, and then yeah. another one wouldn't be out of place on the Bonnie Vera record, mm. you know. Like, but there's like there's drive, and I think she's she's definitely got one of those things where like she's she's saying something for a whole generation of of young women, and it's empowering. I like lo- lo- anything that moves like large groups of people. I find really interesting, mm-hmm. and I can tell that she's doing that. Um, yeah, she's got a really cool community. Um, I love the Nova Twins ever since we met on the the Me tour I thought they were a special band mm. so yeah there's there's a few but I mean the list always is being added to no one ever gets taken off the list unless yeah. you know
1: unless they're wrong unless they piss me <laughs> off yeah in which
0: case they always stay on the list it's just whether or not they fit in the, the thing the thing the song at the right time
1: Next, it's landed on fan fiction. Mm. Now there is it's an, an interesting awful size, lot of uh, fan fiction from the public about yourself and the band. Right. Um, some of which I just I just couldn't. It gets quite I graphic, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. of It gets quite graphic, but I've got a snippet here if uh, if you're keen. Sure. Okay. Oh, Josh said and looked at her. You like that? Autumn bit her lip and nodded. Just as he was about to kiss her again, someone knocked on the door. Both Autumn and Josh suddenly got back to reality. Autumn jumped off from Josh's lap. She noticed he had a boner. Wow. <laughs> I mean, are you a fan of the writing?
0: <laughs> sounds a little bit um What's the word what's that? Fifty Shades of Grey. It sounds Yeah, it, it is it, a bit. Yeah. It sounds like the book I wouldn't read. Yeah. Um
1: would avoid it all costs. Yeah.
0: But I mean, I just I think the the imagination of people is pretty cool. Um, I mean, I would be lying if I said that when I'm playing video games, I don't talk to myself out loud as if I'm the person or the character or mm. the team on the video game.
1: Yeah, suppose people do that, don't they?
0: Yeah, so I, I I don't doubt for a second that people like just pick up a pen and start writing about me and think. This is real. This is happening. Yeah, yeah. And that has definitely happened. But yeah, um, good for Autumn and Fan Fiction Josh Franceschi. (laughs) Good for them.
1: Um, Do you read stuff like that? Or do you just think, you know what, I'm not even going to go there? To be
0: honest, I actually don't use social media at all really anymore. Like there was a time where like I used to love Tumblr because it used to be like, before Instagram Mm. and even really before Twitter, there'd be all these amazing pictures and videos that people would upload of like their experience from their sort of perspective of the band. Yeah, And I used to find that really fascinating. And I think it was a really cool way of like growing the community through that. Um, So I've never belittled that or or, or thought negatively of it. I have a real problem with social media now. I Mm -hmm. think it's become quite a toxic place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So addictive as well, isn't it? So addictive, I went last week, basically for the I would say almost for the first time really in almost a decade I went days without looking at social media which mm. usually I'm like kind of like I've got to check into what's going on but there's just also been some stuff over the last especially the last year or so where I just thought this really is just I'm not going to use, use the, the metaphor i to use but it's just it's a place in which I don't recognise as being a healthy space mm-hmm. and I worry about another reason that I'm not necessarily up for having children is because I don't want them to grow up in a world that's like that. I know I can definitely censor stuff and like mm. try and create an equilibrium, which is one that I think has got some substance to it, but it's just, everything's just so vacuous. It's all mm. about like stuff that isn't the point. It's all, it's all surface level. And a lot of it is created, you know, like it's, it's, it's manipulated to allow people to think that it's just a highlight reel, and the mm. highlight reel is not a realistic,
1: or oh, well,
0: you know, realistic sort of mm. version of the world. But there has also been some incredible stuff that come from it, and I think the actual and the, the its origin comes from a place of like of good. But I just think that as with everything, we've managed to just spin it and make it just fucking grim. So yeah, I'm kind of done with it. I know, yeah. I, I know, I have to have it available as a tool to be like, "On oh, your arms coming out," but. In terms of documenting, long-term, moving forward, I don't really want to be on it. Mm. It's a lot. It's a time killer. I've just, yeah. I've just downloaded an app called Word of the Day, and I get more pleasure out of learning more words from my <laughs> vocabulary than I do, and knowing that's, if that's good idea. some meme with some cat... <laughs> you know, who fucking cares? Uh, what is
1: your Word of the Day? Do you remember? Uh,
0: today, it was atolibophobia. Atolibophobia. What's that? It basically means... The feeling of the sensation of, of not feeling good enough. Oh, it's quite there deep. There you go. Well, there was that actually one, one the other day which was actually pretty cool. I'll get out because it was decent. <laughs> um, so, actually, no, so that, yeah, a I can't really pronounce it, the fear of not being good enough, the fear of imperfection. But a word that I really liked that I saw the other day was disjunctive, mm. which basically means like a breakdown in connectivity between either two people or a person and then see a, a sensation something like that and i just thought i don't know how i'm gonna get that in a song but i'll give it a fucking go for sure. oh, i was gonna
1: say you're gonna get some song titles from that app aren't you absolutely yeah, christ yeah and finally it's landed on youtube again uh, the comment under the video for gossip says i love how much josh despises this song now Do you really? Nah, this, this, nah, this
0: this is this is just something that just people ran away with. Like, I don't care about it. I don't care about the song. I don't care about people thinking I hate the song. It's all nonsense. (laughs) I, 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 nothing brought me more pleasure than playing David Colors live when we did it a few years ago in its entirety because it was like a proper celebration of like, you don't, you can't possibly know where you're gonna be. who you are without celebrating and recognizing where you've been
1: start yeah do i mean
0: so i've got no problem with it i think it just it was one of those things that like fan bases have this really great way of like finding something that they think is real and exists and making it a thing between them and the band so they're their thing and i've always like celebrated that with you Mystics fans but their thing with us was like oh you hate gossip because i don't play anymore mm. and we're like no we we don't hate it but we wrote when we were 15 mm. like
1: yeah we're in a different space we're now. a completely yeah.
0: different space but like you know and actually it was one of those things where i was like oh i bet when we play it it goes fucking crazy <laughs> probably the weakest song on the set the Safe color shows i was like this would be the biggest song wasn't at all
1: <laughs> so I was, oh. like, I was like i
0: don't know what you lot have been chiming on about this song."
1: <laughs> Are yeah. there any moments that you look back on and cringe? Because like you say, you started when you were really young.
0: Again, yeah, I mean look, there's so much there's so much that you could cringe about in regards to things you've done, said, <laughs> songs you've written. But I think everything's always been done in good taste mm. and like it's come from a good place. Um mm-hmm. we've never taken advantage of of a situation or never built ourselves up to, to think we're Bigger than anybody or mm-hmm. a circumstance, so I don't have I, I I don't have any regrets. I I know that we've never done anything out of malice or like done anything to hurt or cause cause harm to somebody or, or a group of people. So it's sort of like we've given it back when people have given it to us. But like I don't, I don't <laughs> which I don't, is fair. You know I've, I've had a few, I've <laughs> had I've had some th- run-ins with bands. I've been like you lot of pricks, and they know why. <laughs> and have, we've gone through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I don't have any any regrets. And I, I I don't cringe at anything because I'm just like, hey, you know what? That that sort of sixteen or eighteen or even twenty year old me was just trying to fucking figure stuff out, mm-hmm. and they were doing what they thought was the right thing at the time. Whether it was swinging the mic, <laughs> you know, having sh- half their head shaved, wearing crazy tight trousers with even tighter t-shirts or just basically ripping off Adam Nazaro and Haley Williams for the first five years of their career like they, <laughs> they, they were doing what they were trying to do and figure yeah. it out and emulate you know things that they love so yeah I try, I try not to look at stuff retrospectively in a bad way because it's done you yeah, can't yeah, change exactly. it do you know what I mean so yeah
1: and that is it Josh Franceschi well it. done on completing Celebrity Search Engine uh, how did you find yeah. it?
0: hot because i'm wearing a fleece
1: <laughs> this studio gets so I'm hot doesn't it really hot <laughs> we're um, both gonna melt in a minute yeah. um, before i let you go or before i put on the air con um who would you like to nominate to go through the celebrity search engine experience next maybe a friend of yours that you think has got some good stories or maybe it's like somebody that you would like to know more about
0: i think just because we've recently become friends Ish. I, I actually know acquaintances. Friends <laughs> would be too far. You might cringe at that. <laughs> but Ramesh Rag Nathan, I think would be really cool. Oh, for this. I love him. Because I also think his story of going from a teacher to where he is now, I think would be really interesting. Mm. And again, he's uh, the reason. Uh, the reason I like him is he strikes me as something that just, is very much like, I'm not here for anybody else this is my shit mm. you know and he, he's, he's an Arsenal awesome fan like me he's vegan like me he likes hip hop like me I th- I'm, oh, sure, yeah. I'm sure he's going to have some really cool anecdotes um, oh, right. to share so yeah oh, I, right. think he, I think he'd be cool Romesh you're
1: getting a call it's on thanks for listening to Celebrity Search Engine please hit that subscribe or follow button to make sure you don't miss a future episode we have got some really great guests coming up and you absolutely will not want to miss their gossip if you're listening on apple Podcasts, then drop us a review and a rating five stars is that sweet spot if you don't mind and let us know in that review or over on social media who you'd like to see us chat to next josh franceschi has nominated comedian romesh ranganathan but who would you like to hear from let us know we are at celeb search engine over on instagram until next time, I'm your host, Abby McCarthy, and thanks for using the Celebrity Search Engine. Goodbye.
2: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.